of the Word of God, that hearts and minds would be open to change, that people would hear the truth and say, you know what, I'm not living that truth, but I want to, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to live to the standard of your word. Father, I pray for an anointing to be upon me as your servant that speaks to your people. And may an anointing be upon your people to hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say to the church this morning. Father, save us from our darknesses. Save us from our secret sins. Save us from complacency and laziness. Save us, Father God, from ourselves. Help us to be the servants of God you're calling us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, you say amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so we're still in a series called A Servant's Servant. Why? Because he hasn't let me move on yet. He wants us to learn about being a servant's servant. We know that Jesus Christ is the chief servant. He came humbly to this world and laid his life down for every single one of us, and now he's asking us to serve him. But he's not asking us to serve him without power. He's given us power. He's given us authority. He's given us his love, and most importantly, he's given us new life. Church, can you say new life? He has given us new life. It's so much better than the old life. We were slaves to sin. We were bound in sin. But God has given us new life. He has picked us up out of a miry clay and set our feet upon a rock, which is Jesus Christ. And so, servant, have you received his love, his identity, his faith, and his eternal purpose for your life? There's eight key foundational words you see before you here today. Uh, the things that we teach the most is that God has given us new life. And in God, we have his love. We've got an identity that comes from him. We've got faith that comes from him. And we've got a purpose from before the foundation of the world that God has given us each a purpose. And then the way that we live this life is through rest. God speaks to us through revelation. Whether he speaks to us personally or through a man or woman of God, he tells us the truth. And in that truth, there is power. The Holy Spirit empowers the word of God to become alive in us. And then as we live this life through every situation, God will give us strategies that result in triumph. God helps us to live this life through his word. And so today we're going to be talking about just that, a servant's life, love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 27. And I want you to hear this truth about being a servant. Uh, I feel like sometimes that this world can uh, fill us full with pride and we'll push away that title of being a servant. But you need to understand the importance of being a servant to God and not just to God, but to each other as well. In Matthew 20, verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Church, can you say it will be different? So the way it relates to servanthood with us or being an authority with us, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. So in the kingdom of God, it's, all, it's always about going low. 
to be a servant. You've got to humble yourselves before others so that you could be considered to be a leader at all. And the first thing we must realize as it, as it relates to having this servant's life is that you have to know God. How can you serve God if you don't really know God? I pray that you don't come to church week after week and just think that you're learning about God. You have to have a personal relationship with God. To, in order to serve him, you must know him. Every single one of you that have a secular job, you should know who your boss is. If, if any of you have ever worked at a company before and you, you know who the boss was, can you raise your hand? You should know who the boss is at your job, right? So... When we are a servant of God, we should know who he is. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So what we see in this passage is this, and we all have to have these encounters. Number one, Moses was already serving a purpose. So Moses was already doing something. So whenever God calls someone, they're already active, right? They're already serving some kind of purpose. And sometimes it's related even to what he's going to ask them to do. Sometimes you, even in your careers, you're doing things in the natural where, you, where you'll see, well, God will call you to a place of similar authority or similar uh, strategies as it relates to your purpose in his kingdom. Not always, but sometimes. The second thing we see is this, that the Lord appeared or made himself apparent. So before you can ever serve God, you have to know who he is. So he has to appear to you or at least make himself apparent. So I'm not saying that you have to have a vision of God in a burning bush, but at some point you have to have some kind of encounter. Church, can you say encounter? At some point, you have to have some kind of encounter with God to where you know that he is real. How else do you give your life to him if you don't believe that this God is true and real? Otherwise, we're just religious. Otherwise, we're just following the motions of other people who really do know him. You should really pray and ask God and say, God, I want to know you for myself. And at that point, you're able to give yourself to this God who makes himself apparent to you. 
The next thing we see is that Moses found God's appearance to be amazing. So any of you that really do know God, you know how amazing he is. You know how loving he is. You know how powerful he is. And if you don't, just ask. If you don't, say, Lord, I just want to know about you more. I want to come to know uh, your glory even more. The next thing we find is that Moses came near. So after you begin to know God or God makes himself apparent to you, then you have to begin to start coming near him, desiring to spend more time with him, desiring to learn about him more, desiring to hear him and desiring to speak to him as well. The next thing we see is that the Lord called him after he came near. This is huge, okay? So God did not call Moses until he came near. So some of you might be wondering, well, what is my purpose? And uh, am I even serving God in the way that he desires me to serve him? Or am I living my purpose? And we see that Moses did not have his name called until after he came near to God. So church, my question for you this morning is, are you drawing nearer and nearer to God? See, he didn't stand afar as he began to see God uh, present himself to him. He began to draw near. The next thing we see is that the Lord called him by name. So the Lord is going to call you by name. Yes, the pastor speaks for God, but eventually God's going to speak to you himself. Come on, church. I, I hope you're encountering that. I hope that you're encountering God speaking to you for himself, right? And if you feel like he isn't, then what must happen first? You have to draw near, okay? I hope you're taking notes. If you can say, well, I don't really know when God's speaking to me or if he does, then the first thing you have to do is draw near. Because what happens when you draw near? The word of God says that if you draw near to him, that he will also draw near to you. To draw near means to leave things behind. The, the, to draw near means to make sacrifices to come close to this God. To understand that your husband is not more important than God. That your kids are not more important than God. That your job is not more important than God. You've got to draw near to him for yourself and say, God, I want you more than anything. Then we see that after the Lord called him by name, Moses responded. So church, have you responded to God's voice? Are you listening and are you obeying everything that he tells you to do? The next thing we see here is that God warned him and created a safe boundary between Moses and his own holiness. So he says, you know what? Stay right there, right? The ground you are standing on is holy. Don't come any nearer to me. Take your shoes off. So this is a holy God that we're drawing near. This is not a common God. This is not another God. This is not uh, an alternative God. This is the only God. So when you, get the, when you get God's attention and he begins to draw you near and call you by name and then say, stop right there, I am a holy God, right? This is how we know that we... We are his service because he makes himself known to us. The next thing he does is he introduces himself. So in verse 5, it says, do not come any closer to the Lord Warn. Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. And then in verse 6, he introduces himself and says, I am the God of your father. And then after he introduces himself, 
The fear of God consumes Moses. Church, do you possess the fear of God? Don't ever let God just become common to you. May he always be a, a, a holy presence to you. May he always be a, fi a consuming fire to where you respect him and you reverence him. Oh, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your church will begin to have a revelation of just who you are, how holy you are, how magnificent you are, God. I pray that a fear would come over us, God. Because some of us, we grow lax sometimes. We've been walking with you so long, God, that we treat you like you're common, like you're not all powerful. But Moses, God, began to fear you, and he says, I can't even look at this, God. Father, please help us to be serving the true and the living God. We don't want a form of godliness. We want to be found serving the true and the living God. We don't want to simply add a God to the lives we're living, we want to make sure that we've given our all to this God that has given himself to us. All right. So what must a servant know? A servant must know how much God loves them. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 39. I'm here to teach you the truth this morning, all right? That if you're going to be a servant of God, you've got to know how much he loves you. Because that's, that's why I don't quit. That's why I don't give up. Because I understand how much he loves me. And that's why you don't quit. That's why you don't get up. It's all, it, it, give up rather. It all has to be rooted in God's love for you. It's the reason you keep marching on. It's the reason you keep understanding that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver us from how many? them all. So the more you understand how much God loves you, it bounces out all the hell you have to go through in this life, okay? I need to catch your attention this morning. The more you understand that God loves you, you'll understand that the fires that he has you walk through, that it's not for your punishment, it's not to destroy you, that some of you in here shouldn't even be alive right now. You have some, some diseases and some issues and some car accidents that could have taken you out of here and but you came out of those things with your life still and you begin to understand that bad things can happen to me and around me but God still loves me and if you forget about God's love for you you will go astray so it has to begin your servanthood to God must begin with how much he loves you You've got to know that because if you don't recognize his love for you, then you will get weary and you will complain and you will have thoughts about, you know what? It was easier on that side. It was easier before. I didn't have to go through all of this before God, but you have to understand his love for you. You have to be actually convinced of it. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says this, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. So just like he called Moses, he called all of us as well. Church, can you say this with me? He called me. He called me. 
Come on, I hope that's why you're sitting here today, because he called you, right? He called you from where? Out of darkness. He called you out of sin. He called you out of death. He called you, and you responded. Let's keep going here. And, he, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having give, giving them right standing, he gave them his glory. So what that is saying is that he called you out of sin, he called you out of death, and he gave you his righteousness. He says, you know what? I see you as righteous now. I see you as all of your sins being forgiven in this moment. Then verse 31 says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. I don't, I don't know if you know what that means or not, but to have right standing with God means that you will not see hell to have right standing with God means that he sees you as righteous and holy people, even though we were not before the blood of Jesus Christ. To, get, to have right standing with God means that we have peace with God. We'll have eternity with God, that we are a new creation in him. Verse 34, who then will condemn us? Church, you say, no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So here's what I want you to know, church, in verse 35, okay? Because ministry is not easy, okay? But you're all ministers. Say this to me. I am, I am a, minister. a minister, okay? So it's not just me. Ministry is not easy for any of us. There must be sacrifices that are made. Right? When you're a minister for Jesus Christ, you have to make sacrifices, all right? But listen to verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Church, you say, I am convinced. I am convinced. Say this with me. By faith, By faith I, am I am convinced, convinced that, nothing that nothing can ever separate me from God's love. From God's love. It's got to be by faith. It's got to be by faith. His love works by faith. You've got to believe it because life will get hard sometimes. But you've got to believe this by faith. Love worketh by faith. That no matter how hard it is, no matter what you're going through, that you must be convinced. Say this with me. Holy Spirit. Convince me of God's love for me. Okay, you have to be, we have to be absolutely convinced of God's love for us because there are some things that will happen to you in your life where you will say, God, where are you? How can God love me if I'm going through this? God, where are you? So I say it is wiser to be convinced now before the trial begins, before anything happens to make you question God's love, be convinced of it. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's give God praise for that. People's love changes, but God's love never changes, right? So we see here that to be a servant of God, to have the life that he desires us to have, a servant's life that we must first recognize and be convinced that God loves us. And it's easy to clap about that because we know how messy we can be. So when we hear that God loves us regardless of what we do and there's nothing that can separate us from it, uh, it, it kind of makes us feel good. But here's the second thing you must understand as a servant, that you have to love God back. A little quieter now. So first of all, we understand that God loves us, but something you have to say is this. You have to be able to say this. God, nothing will ever separate you from my love. Come on. Love must be reciprocal. Right? It can't just be God doing all the loving, right? He wants some love too. And I'll tell you how much God wants love. He made it a commandment. He made it a commandment. That's how serious God is about you loving him back. He's poured out all this love on you and desires that you love him back as well. Let's look here in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 12, to capture a picture of what it looks like to really love God. Because God says this in his word. These people, they honor me with their lips. They say, oh, Lord, I love you so much. I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm crazy about you. You're the best. But their hearts are far from me. Listen, listen to me. Your heart, your heart produces activity. Your heart produces works. Your heart produces what you really want. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. So God is not watching or listening to just what you say when you say you love him. He's watching what you do because love is an action word. So John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. It didn't say, for God so loved the world that he thought about giving his only begotten son. No, it was an actual action. And if you all love God, it will be an activity. It will be an actual action. So let's look at this in Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Can you say this with me? And I want you to put your own name in there. I'm going to say God tested. We're going to say God tested and then insert your name and faith. Ready? Go. God tested Damien's faith. Wait a minute. God will test us? Didn't your teacher test you? Didn't your parents test you? Right? I'm going to see if that boy cleans that room like I told him to clean that room or not. Right? Our parents tested us. God tests us as well. Because what does God want to know? Come on. God wants to know that if you say you love him, do you really love him? So th that's why he will send us a test. So listen to this. 
Sometimes later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Come on, we're talking about servants. So when God speaks, that's what you say. Here I am, Lord. Verse 2, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. God knew that he loved this, his son so much. And the areas that God tests you in, God knows that you love it so much. So God says, hey, I want you to give $500 this over, over your tithe this month. Ooh, Father, is that you? <laughs> Lord, is that you? Why would he do that? Because he's going to test you in the area that you love so much. Right? Give away that new outfit you just bought that you haven't worn yet. Ooh, Lord, is that you? Yep. I'm going to test you in the areas that you love so much, right? So he says this, take your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him. Go and sacrifice. So the thing that you love, sacrifice it. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Knowing us, we'd be sleeping in. Like, we're still wondering, God, was that you asking me to give away this thing that I love so much? But not Abraham. What time did he get up? Early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set it out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, so journeying three days and still hasn't changed his mind, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then I will come right back. Did it say I? It says we will come right back. So, God, so Abraham knew his God, but still was willing to do this, to go through the, the motions of faith. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. I want you to learn something in this passage that Whatever God is asking you to sacrifice, he's well able to replace. Amen. Come on. So get fear out of the way of whatever God is asking you for, right? So even if he had to, even if he had to offer his son as a sacrifice on the altar that day, he knew that when he came back, his son would be with him, even if that meant him raising his son from the dead. Come on. So whatever Jesus Christ asked you to sacrifice, he can resurrect it, he can multiply it, he can do whatever he desires to do to show you that he is the God that he's asking you uh, to trust in if you will only believe him by faith. Let's keep going here. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, that's obedience, 
uh, saints of God. We have to go to the place where God has told us to go. Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know. Church, can you say this with me? For now, For now I, know. I know. Come on. So I know sometimes God asks you for some hard sacrifices, to give up some things you really don't want to give up. But when you go to give it up, you prove your faith to him, and God can say, now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withhold from me even your son, your only son. The next thing you must learn today as servants, uh, women, and men of God is that you must learn how to love yourself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. You've got to love to learn yourself. That's hard for a lot of people, all right? We were very excited when we first talked, we started talking about God's love for us. Then we got a little bit more quiet when we had to talk about our love for God. And now when it comes to loving yourself, you're going to be the, you, you will find that you'll be the hardest person to love that you know because you know yourself more than anyone else knows you. That's why it's so hard to love yourself sometimes, right? But the, the self that I'm asking you to love this morning is your new self in Jesus Christ. Not the old sinful self, the new self that God has released unto you in his son Jesus. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a command. So what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? So on Wednesday nights, uh, the church uh, has been asked to partake in an outreach in which we go into the neighborhood and we love on people, all right? I want you to imagine just for a moment that you lived in this neighborhood within walking distance and that you didn't know the love of God and that you had some needs that you didn't know how to meet. How, how, would, how much would you want someone to come and speak to you about God? How much would you desire prayer, right? So that's the standard. Like, how would you want to be loved? That's the way that we are called to love others, to make sacrifices for others to say, you know what? The way that I love me, I'm going to go out and show that I love others as well. Let's go to Romans now. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. We're called to be a living sacrifice to God. You need to love yourself so much that you begin to understand that your body is a holy temple unto God. You got to love your new self, your righteous self. And it says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Church, do me a favor. Would you put your right hand on yourself and would you say this with me? Say this with me. I am, I am. A, living a living and holy, and holy. 
sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. All right, thank you. Come on. You've got to realize that, that your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It's a sacrifice to God. So your body's not used for sin anymore. Your body has become a holy place where God lives, okay? And so it says this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what we must come to do is love ourselves to the point of self-sacrifice. To say, you know what? I won't give myself to sin. I'm not going to give myself to anyone else except for God. My body belongs to God. The next thing a servant must do is love others. Romans 12, 9 through 21, you've got to understand this, that the love of God, uh, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we don't go out into the community, if we don't witness to our family members, if we don't be a light and salt in this world, then they may not come to know the love of God. But it's not good enough to just come in here and sing songs to God. It's not good enough to just uh, be satisfied with our own soul salvation. God desires that this love we have be shared with others so a servant must love others. Listen to what Romans 12, 9 says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. I want you to say this to the person that is sitting beside you, okay? Say this to the person that is sitting beside you. With the love of God, with the love of God I, love you I love you with genuine, with genuine affection. affection. All right, so if you had to look at a guy you don't know right there, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's why I said with the love of God, right? Come on. The only way people are going to know the love of God is that if we do this, if we're obedient to his word, which is this, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Come on, we need to circle that new life. Verse 11, as God is calling us out into the streets of this community, it says this, we should never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Listen to this. Listen to what your love is capable of. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. 
Leave the, I feel like this is really speaking to somebody right now. You're upset with someone. You're angry with someone, but you need to hear this. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So, what have we learned in this short sermon this morning? One of the shortest sermons I've ever preached to you, but I know you're excited. Don't smile. I'm looking at you. Don't be that happy, right? But um, I don't want to, to hold you too long. Uh, there's been some amazing things that happened today, and uh, I thank God for that. But I want you to hear my heart on this part. Before you shut it down, before you shut me off, hear what the Lord is trying to say today. We'll go through the rest of life on next Sunday. But today was all about the love of God. So if you're truly a servant of God, you must know who God is. Because how can you ever love someone you don't know? So the command for you today is to get to know God more. I don't care how long you've known God. There's still way more to God than you can ever imagine. Amen. So I pray that every single one of you will begin to search God more. Where do we find God? We find him in scripture, right? We find him in prayer. We find him in personal conversation with him. We find him in each other. We find him in nature. We find him in the Holy Spirit. We find him in the gifts of the Spirit. God is everywhere. Come on. He is everywhere. So we can't ever say, God, where are you? He is everywhere. So I pray that this week that you will begin to say, God, I desire to know you more. We learned that a servant must know the love of God. I challenge you this. Any trials you're going through right now, any kind of tough circumstances or situations, don't look for the solution first. Don't, don't beat your head on the wall and say, how can I fix this? Or Lord, how are you going to fix this? The first thing I want you to search for is the love of God, right? Because when you search for the love of God, he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. See, the Lord stands before you and says, look, do you want, do you want to, you can't understand. First of all, you can't understand. Sit with me. I can't understand. So God may never give you understanding about what you're going through, right? So you're saying, God, I don't understand. Why did they have to die? Why was there a divorce? Why did I lose my job? Why is the car not fixed? All these whys, right? Move all of that out of the way. It's a trick of the enemy. It's deception. It's all these things making you think that God doesn't love you because that's the first and foremost thing that God wants you to know is how much he loves you. So don't go around looking for solutions. Don't go looking for your husband. Don't go looking for the job. The first thing you need to find is the love of God. Just, just I, I want to get my life squared up on how much you love me, God, 
because the job might not come tomorrow and I may go to the doctor next week and they say they might say the disease is still there. So I've got to have this one thing in mind. I must be convinced that you love me. So before I open the, the envelope that tells me if I got the loan approved or not, I've got to be concrete in my understanding about how much God loves me. That's what I want to know more than anything, right? You got to get to that point. I don't care about anything in this world. I don't understand. God, I just want to know uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I want to be convinced and persuaded of your love for me. The next thing we must do as servants of God is love him in return. Church, can you say this with me? God, I love you. Easy to say, hard to do. Easy to say, hard to do. Because he says, okay, I'll take that. You love me? All right, I'll take that. But I got to say this to you. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, do what I say. If you love me, don't call me Lord and then don't do what I ask you to do. So as servants of God, we must do what he says. And, and even to the point that we have to be obedient to those that have positions of leadership over us, whether it be at our secular job, as long as they're not asking us to do something unrighteous, or whether it be within the church, that if the pastor speaks, if a minister speaks and say, thus saith the Lord, let's do this, come on, let's go, let's do this, then you got to say, because I love God, and this man or woman speaks for God, and I have a witness to this because I'm supposed to test the Spirit by the Spirit. I really feel like this is God saying, do this. And so God says, it's you, and I love you. I'm going to obey. It has to come from obedience. Listen to me, church. Forget about your feelings. You're never going to feel like being obedient if you're living by the flesh. Your flesh will never feel like serving God. But you've got to have a heart for God that says, you know what? God, I'm tired. God, this is my only son. But because you ask, I'm going to give him to you because I love you. The, last, the, the second to last thing that I taught you today was that you got to love yourself. you got to love yourself so much that you won't give yourself to sin anymore. you got to love yourself so much that you say, Lord, my body belongs to you, and I love the new me. Church, can you say this with me? I love, I love the, new me. the new me. Come on. I hate the old me. How many hate the old version of you, right? Woo! Busted, disgusted, rusty, musty, crusty. I'm sorry. Don't talk about me. But this new me, wow, I'm crazy about this new me. Come on, church. You got to learn how to say this. Say this with me. I really love, I really love the new me. Come on, you got to learn how to love the new you that Christ has made you to be, right? Because you're not the same. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. It's okay to love you now. The old version of you is dead and gone, crucified with Christ. But this new you is worth loving because God loves you. And then finally, as you stand at your feet, let's be reminded that we're called to love each other. This means the unlovable. This means those who we feel like don't deserve to be loved. This means those who are homeless, those who live in this neighborhood, those who live in your neighborhood. 
Love is an action word. Please, don't just let your neighbors see you go to church, but not be the church, but not be loving, not be tender, not be kind. I hope you're not known in your neighborhood as the mean one. I hope that you're not known in your neighborhood as the one that the kids are like, uh-uh, don't step on their, uh-uh, don't step on his grass. I hope you're not the one in the neighborhood that if someone gets a new football and it lands in your yard, it's just going to stay there, right? That they're scared to knock on the door and say, hey, our ball went over the fence. Can we come get it? You should be known in your neighborhood as the most loving person on the block, the kindest person on the block, right? Because the Bible says that we are a city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hid. I know that people can be irritating. I know that they can get on your nerves. But you got to love them anyway. Because God can say the same thing about us. That we can be irritating. We can be, we can be impatient. We can be ungrateful. But he still loved us. Father, I have given them your word this morning. Servants are to have life in you love. Next week we'll talk about identity, faith, and eternal purpose. Father, I confess my faults before all this congregation that you've given me. I repent of my frustrations, God. I've been looking more to them than to you, and Lord, I am sorry. I confess this fault before them now. I ask for their forgiveness. I ask for your mercy, God. Help me to not grow frustrated. Help me to not grow weary, Father. Help me to come to you first, God. I'm reminded of you saying, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So, Father, may our love for you be transformed into a love for others around us. If anyone's here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come forward at the end of the service and say, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. If anyone has not been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that's your desire, you can come forward. It's a gift that you can have. You don't have to tarry for it. You don't have to beg for it. You just have to ask and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Can we just lift our hands all over the sanctuary just for a moment? I promise you're going to leave. Father, I thank you for the helper. I thank you for the comforter. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, who is inside of us right now, convicting us of sin. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us right now, that allows us to live a righteous life. I thank you for the mind of Christ. I thank you for the full armor of God, Lord. I thank you for your love for us, God. We are not normal people, God. We are a peculiar people. We are a holy nation, Father. Forgive us of our sins and trespasses, God. You know our shortcomings. May we give you our weaknesses. May we confess, God, where we are falling uh, short of your glory, because we all fall short of your glory, God. I pray right now in Jesus' name that not one of us is trapped in pornography. Not one of us is trapped in addiction. Not one of us is trapped in bitterness or unforgiveness, God, because where your spirit is Lord, God, there is liberty. I speak liberty over your people. 
I declare that these people right now in the name of Jesus Christ are free indeed. I say that they are blessed beyond measure. I say that the windows of heaven are open over you all. I say that your cups are running over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are not what the devil's been trying to show you. You will not die. You will live. You will not be lonely. You will not be broke. For God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His riches, our, our needs are supplied by his riches and his glory. I thank you that none of us are depressed right now. Take depression away from our midst right now. May it lift now. In the name of Jesus, depression lift all of us now. Heaviness lift all of us now. And may the joy of the Lord rest upon us. For your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I declare that we are strong, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Jesus, God, we are who you say we are. And if you are for us, then who can be against us? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd watch over us as we leave this place. God, as we come back on Wednesday, I know, Father God, that you will send those that are obedient to your spirit to come. There's work to do. So, Lord, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers. So, Father, we pray to the Lord of the harvest. Lord, we need help. Not just on Wednesdays. We need help as a church, period. So, Father, will you send us laborers, and would you awaken the laborers that are already here? We've got amazing people that are at this church, God. They've got so many gifts. They've got so many talents. They've got so much love, God. But I pray that it would just be activated now. Dry bones come alive in the name of Jesus Christ. Serve the living God. Choose to serve God. You cannot serve two masters. You must serve one and love one and hate the other. May it be resolved in our hearts who we will serve when we leave this place today. Will you serve God or will you serve Baal? Will you hunger and thirst after righteousness or will you make a, your own stomach a God? Is your own stomach the God you serve? Your own wants, your own desires, your own needs. God, we sacrifice ourselves to you and say, we don't want to serve us anymore. We just want to serve you. So, Father, may the oil of your anointing reside on these people. And as they leave today, may they be light and may they be salt. And may our bushels be the first thing that burns on the altar of sacrifice. We will not hide who you have made us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And if you desire prayer at all, you can come forward. Salvation.